Welcome to the Young Christian Business Guy video podcast powered by CBMC, the show for young Christian business guys about young Christian business guys. We talk sports, we talk business, but most importantly, we talk about Jesus. Today is January 21st, 2021. I'm John Harrison, your host. And as a community, we're unapologetically Christian, unapologetically business guys, and unapologetically open and vulnerable about our lives the challenges that we face and the faith and the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. We believe in spiritual mentorship, a.k.a. discipleship, learning what it means to follow Jesus and what it looks like to follow Jesus from another man. And we believe in the power of peer groups, surrounding yourself with others who are growing in their faith and will help you grow into the man that God designed you to be. So today, 1-21-21, we are starting a nine-day journey into palindromes meaning the date will be the same forward as backwards. So enjoy that journey. In the meantime, I'm super excited for the guy that I have on the show today. Um, we've been trying to connect for like two years and finally we got connected and it's my first doctor guys. So without further ado, welcome to the Young Christian Business Guy video podcast powered by CBMC, Dr. Asa James Swan. Asa, welcome buddy. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, my name is a palindrome, by the way. No way. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, when you said that, I was like, perfect. <laughs> oh, Asa Swan. Well, Asa, you know, just Asa. like. Oh, yeah. oh, Asa alone. Okay. Cool. cool. Yeah. No, Asa Swan probably wouldn't be, but man, that, yeah, that's awesome. There you go. Yeah, I well, that. Someone said that to me in second grade. And now I think I'd be like, you're in second grade and you know the word palindrome, but yeah, <laughs> that's what they said. And I remember being like, no, I'm not. And then <laughs> Oh, wait, what is it? Because <laughs> yeah. it sounded bad. There you go. Well, now here we are. Palindrome. I I was like, I was on a meeting yesterday and I was like, 120, 2021. This has got to be the same forwards as backwards. I like had a freak out moment. And then I had article came out yesterday that was like, we're beginning a nine day journey of palindromes. Right. I thought it was like one time in the history of all history that all the dates right. would have lined up, but it wasn't. So enjoy it for the next nine days. But great to have you. Like I said, my first doctor. And what are you a doctor of? Uh, my PhD is in modern European history. Um, and my focus, uh, which I love this at University of Kentucky, was called culture, ideas, and society. So instead of just studying some old dead guy, um, I got to just look at how cultures develop and customs and traditions. It's just it's really about people and how things that have significance and meaning come together and then how over history, like over time and history, um, those change and then also how they remain the same. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. I'd say I've gotten more into history as I've gotten older. Wasn't yeah. a big history guy, kind of like history now, but yeah. anyway, Asa, you're in Kentucky. I am. Awesome. Great. Just a little North of me now. Fill me in. Tell us about your family, your life. We want to know it all. Sure. Um, well, I was born in Lexington. Uh, my parents, uh, my mom grew up all over the world. Uh, so she has the remnants of an English accent. And uh, my dad's from northern Wisconsin. So he used to have the hard O's as he spoke. Uh, but they moved here to go to Asbury. And uh, they and it both became Methodist pastors. And we've stayed here ever since. I've yes, I was born in uh, 
bred, you know, here in Kentucky and raised here. And um, yeah, man. So like I uh, am married to Allison Ball. Uh, she's our state treasurer. We got engaged while she was running. And um, so that was cool. Uh, always have to explain to people that we are married, even though our names are different. <laughs> it's crazy at the doctor now because we have a two and a half year old. So we take Levi and we have to assure them that we really are his parents. But anyway, um, yeah, so um, Levi is amazing. He is in that stage that parents know of incredible like new sentences appearing every week. And that's really neat. He's just that that two and a half to three old stage where like he's memorizing everything and just his memory. It's scary because he remembers better than we do. Um, and I love it. And then, hey, we just found out uh, a few weeks ago that we're pregnant. So we've got baby number two on the way. <laughs> Come uh, on, man. Or as I like to say, you know, because I'm a swan, it's the signet, like the signet wow. number two. So go. baby swan. Uh, and we find out uh, here uh, relatively soon if it's a boy or a girl. So that's pretty neat. I, I would love either one. Uh, and Levi will be a great older brother. So, yeah, man, that's and I've one, Oh, yeah. I have um, one other thing on my family. Uh, my sister, Eva, is uh, a writer and actress. And just all kinds of just a big creative. She lives in L.A., uh, which has been really tough. It's been tough for everybody in COVID, but like the big cities, I think it's been a lot harder for folks. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah. I'm, and so, yeah, she's been she does a lot of cool things out there. She's met a lot of big name stars and stuff along the way. So I always love hearing her anecdotes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great, man. Well, congratulations again. Praise the Lord. Baby number two. Uh, you guys will be now two v two. You'll be able to yes. man to man to man, woman to woman, <laughs> own defense, whatever you want to call it. Right, uh, right. State treasurer. I hate budgets. Um, I'll yeah. start there. Dislike budgets. What does a straight state treasurer do? So the state treasurer, uh, you know, runs the treasury, and they're they're in charge of the bank accounts and disbursements for the mm -hmm. state. Um, and. I, what I love about what Allison does is she's she sees herself as a watchdog on state spending. So uh, in an age, a digital age where we have a lot of electronic transfers, they really keep an eye out on where the money's going. And a couple of years ago, she and her team caught a five, like point three or four million dollar fraud attempt on the state. Wow. And uh, they stopped it. But I mean, it was very well crafted. So that would have been five you know, million dollars of Kentucky taxpayer dollars that we lost to, you know, some country somewhere, some evil people. But her team's really gotten adept at uh, trying to figure out like the for, you know, when things aren't coming from, you know, a legitimate uh, requester of funds. Mm -hmm. So that and then also just uh, a lot of states are like this, but not all. But Kentucky is one of the states where the state treasurer has all the unclaimed property. And so my, my wife's a lawyer. So this is neat. I learned this word from her. But uh, let's say that you had a deposit with the gas company when you were in your apartment as a grad student and then you leave and then they couldn't find you to give you your deposit back. Well, after like a year or two, that money as cheats to the state and the state holds it for you until they find you again. And of course, there's a lot of like property. In fact, when I say a lot, I'm, there's actually billions of dollars a year where they don't know who it belongs to, like it, somebody dies or there's no will. Um, 
you know, like there's the like there's a lot of land where they don't know like who has that corner over there because it's not clear. And her office is in charge of all that. So it's pretty neat because she every month she has a whole team that's trying to find people and give them their money back. Mm. And of course, that's really fun, especially for an elected official. Say, hey, this is Allison Ball. I have a million dollars for you. Yeah, like that's yeah, sort of that's that's a nice part of the job. No joke. <laughs> that's awesome. That's amazing. I can, I'm waiting for that phone call. I'll send my phone oh, call. No. If I can't figure out where to send some of the money. I can figure out. I have a friend. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> how about on the professional side? What are you doing, man? So um, I worked for our previous governor uh, for four years. I was proud to start at nine o'clock on day one. And I finished at midnight at, or 11.59 on the last day. Um, about One of about 30 uh, that was there the whole time. Um, I had two roles in the previous administration. Um, I was the chief. Of, I was one of the. There was a chief of staff for all of the areas of state government, um, with a you know overall chief of staff uh, for the governor. I was the chief of staff for the transportation cabinet. Uh, in Kentucky, it's the Department of Transportation, but we call it the transportation cabinet because um, there's departments within our, our the cabinet in state government. So anyway, um, I did that for three years. That was amazing. I had done uh all the legislative work for that for the transportation cabinet under uh a previous governor um back in uh to, from 2003-2007 so i was very familiar with it that's why i got a phone call even though i'd been a professor for eight years teaching history and academia and they asked me would you you know be would you come and like talk to us about what you learned there hey and hey john this is really cool like this part of the god story that uh the our previous governor there was a lot of trouble that happened in his last year and a half and it all originated in my cabinet so some of the men that i worked with uh got into trouble and uh, we also had a very aggressive ag attorney general who um very partisan driven in his coming after the governor and it was really hard man because there were people who had done bad things and there were other people who had, who were totally innocent but got caught up in it because of just it got very political so I tell you that to say that I was never going to go back there. <laughs> and uh, after my my uh, I literally was standing there when the FBI came rushing and began grabbing files. And we were like, what is happening? I mean, it was you know, this is your this is work. And, and that's when it all started to fall apart. So when uh, Matt Bevan won the governorship in 2015, I got a phone call from the transition team saying, would you just come speak to us about like what you witnessed. And it's neat because I've been a history professor for eight years. I love to talk about the past, right? How can, what can we learn going forward? And um, I spoke to the transition team and, and John, the, the God part of this was um, I wasn't trying to go back there and work. Uh, but at the end of my talk, I had written three main points. I wanted them as they were thinking about the kind of men and women leaders they wanted for it, like what they should look for. But I had written a fourth one if I had time. And uh, at the end, we got done a little early and I was like, hey, I have one more point. Could I share that? And they were all like, yeah, sure. Go ahead. And I said, you need a winsome culture builder who can come in there and repair uh, the, the break from one administration to another. Because a lot of people get scared. Am I going to be fired? What's the new guy like? You know, what's going to be the vision, the direction? And then to address the long term um, problems that the transportation cabinet has had in Kentucky. Um, when you look at state government, um, it is a very high percentage of like over, over the last like 50 years, the people who go to jail, the vast majority of them came out of our cabinet. 
So just road money had been misused a lot over the generations. And just so I said, you, I talked about how you fix that. And it's funny, man, because that point is why I got another phone call later. And, and, and I'm, 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 you know, there, there were a lot of discussions here, but in a nutshell, the ask was, well, would you be that winsome culture builder? <laughs> and I was like, let me pray about it. Like if, if you would give me the authority to really go in there and make real changes, then I would be open to it. And I'd have to be, but I, but I would, but I had some conditions. So anyway, so as you all have figured out, because I've told you what my job was for three years, um, I did it. And, um, but it was neat because I was sent in there with a mandate. So I was the number two. Uh, and I, that was amazing to serve. I'd never been in the C-suite before, like being an executive. Um, and I got to hire my team. And then about four months in, the governor hired my number one over me. So for four months, I kind of got to be the number one, which was neat. And then like, the act, you know, uh, just, you know, yeah, that was fun. All right. So moving on. And then my last year, man, because I'd done all this work on leadership, um, just personally, since I was 14, I've been a student of leadership. Um, I'd been doing trainings throughout on the side at, from the chief of staff role for state government, not just my cabinet, although a lot in transportation, but others talking about, hey, here's how you fix your culture. Toxic culture, here's how you can help. Senior leader, here's how we can help you lead by example and things like that. And I got asked by the governor's office, would you just do that full time? And I was like, okay, let me get this straight. So I get to train, coach, and consult all across Kentucky or outside of Kentucky if asked to help people grow in their leadership. That would be my job. And and no joke, they were like, well, yeah, and your title would be um, chief leadership officer for the Commonwealth of Kentucky. And no joke, I went, I'm listening. <laughs> and And of course, on the inside, I was freaking out because it sounded so perfect. Uh, so for my last year, I uh, working for Governor Bevan, that's what I did. And yeah, I got to speak to 1500 legislators in a, a big meeting in Texas. That was amazing. Um, got to speak to I added it up the other day. It was about 18 to 20,000 people in that year, like going around just really like coaching and training. And it, some was one on one. Sometimes it was 800 or 1500 people, you know, big groups. But it was all with just about leadership. And so anyway, so the end of the long story here is uh, I finished my PhD in May in the so I, so in December of 19, left that role as an administration came in and uh, used that time to write my my dissertation. It ended up being 455 pages, which I want to tell assure everybody listening and watching, like I'm actually a concise writer. It just it's history. They're on average the longest dissertations of all PhDs. Which, if I'd known that before I got I started it, I might have done something else. All right, um, and then, man, yeah, I started in on October first. I launched my first ever company, and I brought some show and tell stuff for us today. But uh, this is my card. It's called Great Leaders, and you can see, yeah, there it is. It's so Great Leaders. Uh, we help equip people for leadership in the 21st century marketplace, and. Um, we want to just help you with your business, whether it's visioning, hiring, your culture, uh, you as a senior leader, aspiring and emerging leaders, helping them prepare for when the baton is passed. Um, anyway, that that's all just everything that could come with leading your business um, or leading yourself. Uh, so that's what I've been doing, man. Just, yeah, just beginning beginnings of that. And um, it's awesome. going it's going as well as it can in a quarantine. Yeah, for sure.
and it's a new season. You're planting seeds. Planting is always a challenge, but what an experience being able to work in, in, you know, our, our government and state government and what an experience to be able to come in and hopefully change some systemic behavior that was going on and, and hopefully make some positive changes for years to come. And then to transition yes. into that role where you're able to help people flourish and lead the best they possibly can in different positions they find themselves in. And so when we think about leadership, because uh, I talked to you, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago when we talked about this, I'd love for you to share this great leaders, right? Because when you hear great leaders, you're kind of like, nah, you know, <laughs> but, but <laughs> I will preface yeah. it with it's a extremely valuable title after you explain it. So take just a minute and explain great leaders. Sure. I'll just hold my card up one more time. So people <laughs> can see. So you notice the great there are they're on all caps and you know, it's an acrostic where great stands for gritty, which uh, is for, which I think of as leading yourself. And then uh, R is for relational leading others. And equipped is what I call leading the room. So like any room you come in, you know how to lead that room, whether you're the number one, the number eight, like, you know, you're a mature leader. You can come in and help where they need help. And then uh, A is for authentic, which is world providing world-class service where people remember how well you serve them. And then finally, the T, uh, which is probably the one I'm most passionate about, is transformational, which is creating healthy, dynamic cultures. Those five areas make a great leader, uh, kind of borrowing like from Phil Collins, how do you go from good to great, right? And um, like that kind of, um, I'm sorry, oh my gosh, Jim Collins. I was going to say, yeah, Phil was, Collins would be like, take me a yeah, no, But yeah, you can borrow from me. To bring him into this discussion. Yeah. Uh, such a great creative. So anyway, yeah, Jim Collins and uh, that great concept. So those five, those are the kind of the five areas that we, we have people go through and say, Hey, I want to work like, let's out, you know, you're the hardest person you'll ever lead. So I, let's out, I want to work on my leading myself. Are you saying but, that to me? I'm the hardest person I'll ever lead. Oh, oh okay. Universally. <laughs> yeah. That. Thank you. Uh, yeah, exactly. So, you know, you get, you give yourself instant feedback. Usually we're the hardest on ourselves. Like, so, that, so I want to get grittier. I want to get better, tougher and, you know, being able to finish things and have something left at the end of the day and practice humility and become a good listener and just all those things that come into leading yourself. Or you might say, Asa, I, I am, my culture is so toxic and it's unhealthy. And that really affects the bottom line because I spent all this time trying to find somebody. Then we hired them, then we onboard them. And now we've spent a year and we spent all this money, you know, let's say like $10,000 investing in this person. And then they hate it here and then they leave. And now I have to start it all over again. So how much business did I lose? in the interim without that person filled, how much did it stress out the team as they had to cover the gap? And then how much did I spend firing, finding the new person? So a toxic culture really does affect the bottom line. And that's why like transformational, you helping you as this, a senior leader take cr concrete steps to, to find the drivers of the toxicity, pull them out, and then begin to, it, it, one by one, piece by piece, you know, implement healthy. And then what I love is dynamic. Like they're innovative, they're creative, they're going somewhere and they're always, they're organic. They're changing with the times. They're not stuck in the past. So uh, that's, that's kind of the vision for. for I love it. I love it. It's much <laughs> needed you. in a saturated 
market around yeah. that. I think you really are, are making some significant progress. So if you had 60 seconds to, we have a lot of young guys around the country that listen to this show that are in sure. positions of influence, right? Mm. And I think Maxwell's the one that said leadership is influence, right? We all are, are right. leading ourselves, cool. leading our mm. families, leading our marriages. Right. Some people have uh, X number of people they're leading at work. Uh, and so if you had 60 seconds to sit across the table from a group of guys and they, and you had to say, what is the most important thing about being an effective leader? What is it you would tell those people? All right. So I set my timer. Okay, here we go. All right. So the beginning of all leadership training is that everyone takes their cues from the senior leader. What's crazy about this is as a leader, you're giving off cues, whether you know it or not. And that's what's so scary because the blind spots, the ones you're giving off that you don't know are often the most damaging because generally they're not intended. So having growing your self-awareness, self-awareness can be grown. It's, it's, it takes work. Uh, but the best, most self-aware people have had to do the work of growing it. They know what cues they give off and they, they intentionally practice. Like today I'm going to be, um, I'm really going to see people and value them. And I'm going to, here's how, three ways I'm going to do that. Like notes of appreciation. I'm going to stop and listen, and I'm going to make myself available for an hour today where people come talk to me. All right. So then the number, the second thing I would, after ever takes their cues with the senior leader would be that good leaders know how to follow. So a good, a mature leader doesn't have to come in and take over. They know how to, they can actually come in right underneath that, that senior leader that is over them. Uh, and then finally, uh, that's one minute. I would say they do the work of becoming the leader that others would want to follow. So what do you, who do you love to follow? Become that like you, there's leaders you love, go learn about what's good about them. Do the thought work of what do I love about this leader? Why is he or she amazing? And how can I grow in that? And, you know, it's your version of it. It's not you becoming them, but what truths or, you know, principles do they follow that, that you can bring to your own? So all right, that was a minute Thanks. 26. That's not too Special bad. Box. Ding, 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 ding. Lightning round completed. That was really good, Asa. So thank you. Uh, I didn't know you were going to ask that. So I okay. didn't know I was going to ask it either. So unintended, <laughs> unintended cues. Huge. Huge. I mean, and that's so funny because we think about, oh, I need to be, I, I'm usually aware of everything I do, or I'm going to be intentional of thing. But in, in reality, yeah. it's the, the things you're not even realize you're doing that are extremely impactful. Secondly, know how to follow. Step to being a good leader is know how to follow. Mm, right. That's a, that's a word for myself today. And then finally, become the leader you want to follow. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Is that Was that the summary? Yeah, you got it. Super good. Okay, love that. Leadership, huge. Um, if guys want to learn more, they can check out your website and great leaders. That's awesome. I want to shift gears a little bit. John, um, yeah. can, I ask, can I add one thing real quick? Absolutely. It's, it's just, I just wanted one thing on the cues. If I have two minutes to talk to a group, I'll talk about the senior leader. Every, everyone takes their cues from the senior leader because this is actually an hour long. I mean, not it's, it could be as long as you want, but there's a lot to, to unpack from that. And I just want to throw one thing out that people know, but they often don't know the name. But the problem with the cues issue is when you don't know what cues you're giving off. Um, and, and some people, they haven't done the intent. They have an intentionality or done the work of really trying to be like clear, provide the clarity of what's important to them, what they expect. Your team will fill in the gaps. And I call that the ghost rules. And those are the ghost rules of like, hey, wh what what do we value around here? And, and I'll, I'll give you an example of which will bring it home for us. 
these exist because all of us now have worked long enough that you've been like, like, for example, what if you were like, you, you've been there a few months and let's say it's John, it's your birthday tomorrow. And I'm like, Hey guys, it's John's birthday tomorrow. Hey, well, let's, let's do a cake and some cards. We do just a little party. And someone's like, Oh, Oh no, no, we don't, we don't do that here. And you're like, what, what do you mean? We don't do that here. Why don't we do that here? <laughs> like it's not written in the manual that we don't do birthdays. Like that, that is the cues coming from the C-suite. Like the senior leaders are, are, that's totally coming from them versus on the flip side. If it was like, oh my gosh, it's his birthday tomorrow. Oh, we've got to tell the boss because he loves birthdays and he's going to want to actually say something about John at his little party because we really value that here. So that's totally cues. Like mm -hmm. everyone gives their, gets their cues from the senior leader and what they value. And that's, that's kind of one that's like not as important. It's more of a cultural one, but that really plays into like ethics, character, how we serve our customers. I mean, it all, it all flows for that. And that's why I tell people that people ask me, well, Asa, I, I don't know if I can really help the senior leader get a lot better. And my response to that is, that's true. Uh, John Maskell talks about the law of the lid. And so like that, that senior leader is like a lid on the culture. The culture can go around the leader, the senior leader, but you as an aspiring or emerging leader, like you're number 10, you're number four, you can create an island of healthy culture around you that people will come join you on, even if the senior leader is stubborn or a jerk or just not going to, you know, and you can just wait, <laughs> you know, or eventually go find a new place to work. But I just want to say that to those that are like, yeah, but I'm not a senior leader. The ghost so, rules. That's what you, you call it. The yeah, ghost rules. I thought it was really interesting. Rules. And I started yeah. laughing because I had watched a show called uh, The Office about Dunder Mifflin. And you'd said, Michael Scott, very right. excited about birthdays. And so that would be. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, right, that's right. Uh, that's good. So transitioning here, you know, at uh, the Young Christian Business Guy powered by CBMC, we believe really strongly in, in, a, in quite a few things, but a couple things here is the power of discipleship and the power of peer groups. So discipleship, spiritual mentorship, learning what it means to follow Jesus, what it looks like to follow Jesus from another man. And we believe in the power of peer groups, surrounding yourself with others that are growing in their faith and can help you grow into the man that God God designed you to be through relationships of affirmation, appreciation, but also accountability. So I want you to talk a little bit about in your experience to either one of those and the impact that they have had in your life. So Jesus obviously surrounded himself with 12 and then he would go off by himself with his senior leader, with the father and just download. And, and, you know, I mean, how I should have added up by now, but you know, does several dozen times in scripture, he he's off by himself, right? He's just with the Lord. And he's also having some, what Juliet Felt would call white space. You know what? I That's actually, I've, I need to write that down because I've never thought about that. Just having some space to think the unthink thought, unthunk thought. And like, you know, just chill. Jack Welch just stare out the, out the window for an hour every day that he would do. But I love that. Like, so so Christ is discipling the 12. And then, of course, you got the 70, right? We forget a lot that there was that 70 around them. And they just did life together. And they were hot. They were cold. They were hungry. They were had great food. They laughed a lot. They had to go to the bathroom. I mean, they they just did life with, you know, the, the son of God himself. And how amazing that God would become a man. And so, hey, I know what you've gone through. Like, I'm not distant. I'm near. And I understand. So it's been, it's been very powerful for me. I, you know, I, I'm really blessed that like, I haven't, I'm, I'm one of those guys that has a great father and mother and I'm close to my parents. They've been my, you know, best friends since that transition into adulthood, adulthood. I still really 
go to them for advice. It's funny. I still will call dad and say, and like practice what I'm going to say if it's like a conflict thing or, you know, like, what do you think? Because he's so good at it. And uh, anyway, so I, I'd say that my parents were kind of my first mentors. Um, and then, and then, you know what, John, I have not had a like strong mentorship in my life. Like, like the majority of it, like I had people that I saw as mentors, but really is only in the last five years that I've been more intentional about going to people. And there's this amazing couple in our church. Allison and I go to Lexington City Church in Lexington. And um, our transformation pastor is a teaching pastor, Helen Music. She is one of my mentors and her husband, John Music, is, an, is one of the best optometrists in the nation. He's a glaucoma expert. Um, but they, I've really, I just have, like they did our premarital counseling and I, I go to them and just, you know, once as, as much as I can, which again, in COVID has been tough, but just spend time like learning from them because they're humble. Uh, there's, they've got such wisdom. They're beautiful people. They're funny. They don't take themselves too seriously, even though like Helen's just an amazing teacher, kind of that Beth Moore, like she reads something and then she explains it and everyone's like, Mm. I've read that a hundred times yeah. or like the way Bill Johnson does when he, Dude, I, I, of scripture. So I've been, real, I've real been quick, for a while. So anyway, yeah. I do, I do want to ask you about your experience in a peer group though. Cause I know that yeah, you've sure. wrapped up almost about a year. What has that experience been like for you? Right. So I, when I, because of all that, like, like having some mentors, but not really doing life. Um, when my, uh, my, my YP leader out in Louisville, um, uh, Isaac Lafon called me and uh, pitched it to me. I was like, dude, I've been, I need this. Like I'm, I'm hungry to do life. I need guys speaking into my life. I, I want them to know what I'm doing. I want to be held accountable. I want to be championed. I want to be able to be vulnerable in a safe place where it's not weird or uncomfortable. Um, and, and, and also, you know, like you're cheered on for it. You know, it's not judgmental. I definitely grew up in churches generally where if someone went to the altar which should be this beautiful, amazing thing. It was more like, oh, what did he do this week? You know, instead of like, well, wow, that's so good for him. You know, he's kneeling. It's, it's, it's look what God's doing in his heart. So YP has been powerful and uh, it's given me that security and stability of community, especially in a lot of transition. We've all been in it. It's like the last year and a half has been not just like interruption, but disruption. And having that, like I actually had it last night and um, we had three new guys come, John. It was really cool, and I think all three are gonna join because they really they they did a, they did a great job joining us. I mean, it's hard to you know we, the, all of us guys have been together for about sixteen months now, maybe I think that's right. So, uh, and they're, this is their first time, but they did really well, just kind of opening up and and kind of going with the flow. So CBMCYP is a great resource and it's it's just a gift. Like you, I get to be in it. Like I get to be in my YP group. We call ourselves the 79ers um, uh, because you have to be like 40 or younger, uh, at least when you start. Uh, and the, the funny thing is I've actually now, like I've just, I'm beyond that. <laughs> I got in just in time. Barely <laughs> slid in. That's awesome, man. Hey, I want to ask you one more question, Asa. So if you were sitting across the table from your younger self, yeah, 10 years ago, what's right. something you would tell your younger self? You know, I've, it's funny you asked me that, John, because I've been thinking about that a lot. And maybe it's just kind of the quietness of COVID being in my house all the time. 
because I have several things that I would say. Um, there's some very specific things for me personally, so I would not make those mistakes later. Uh, but but the more the, I'll tell you, one of the general ones is I have spent. It's so weird. Even though I've had a great life, I've I started college really young. I got to be on the hill. Um, I was there on 9-11 working for my congressman. I mean, I've been over the sea. I mean, I've just done, I've lived a full life already. Like I'm, I feel blessed and I've loved my life. And I have very few regrets. Like, but I would tell myself to really do the work of silencing the voice of this self-disqualification that I've heard and listened to a lot. And I would tell you that I think my bigger regrets, and again, I really don't have a lot. Um, they generally center around where I hurt people and I really didn't mean to. And I, you know, like I hate that. And, you know, like then doing the reconcile work and that's good. But still, you just hate it when you hurt someone you didn't mean to hurt their feelings or upset them or whatever. But my bigger regrets are what I didn't do. Like taking the risk. Like I just take the risk and be bold. And the thing is, it's very easy. And, mo and most people do this. They sit back and they play it safe. And they don't go out into the unknown. And then guess what? They never mess up or they never have a, they don't, never, nothing ever blows up in their faces. But those who are out there trying and boldly, you know, and so, so like a good example would be like friends of mine that have tried to start churches in bars or tattoo parlors. And I'm so proud of them because I grew up with a lot of people that really, that, that would have never even crossed their minds to follow Jesus' example and go to where people are like he did, like just go to them. And so, so like, I love that, like that kind of boldness, knowing it could totally blow up and, and fail. Yeah. You took, so you, that's you what I would tell myself yeah, is go for it. Go just take the risk. Take, risk, take the risk. And also to reference one of our family's favorite movies, Frozen 2, Into the Unknown. <laughs> Journey yeah. into the unknown. Okay. So as we wrap up here nice. with our verse of the day, Psalm 34 verse eight. It says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Asa, what does this verse mean to you? So I, we had an evangelist come to my first time Methodist of Campbellsville when I was 12. And she spoke on this verse for four days, <laughs> four days of revival. And the Holy Spirit on the fourth night moved the altar like, and I was up there just weeping. And anyway, and so that was, that's when I made it my, I have four life verses, but that's my number one, my main life verse. And that's why you have to say, oh, taste and see. Like, I love that. It's just, oh, taste. So what does it mean? So in this Psalm, David is encouraging us. It actually really begins with the second half, like by taking refuge in God. So whatever, like giving your life to him, say, yes, Lord, come live in my heart. I, I want to, I'm done trying to, my way. I need you. I need your forgiveness. I need your power. I need your love. I need your healing. Come in, into my heart. All right. So I'm going to take refuge in you. And then he says, once you do that, you're going to begin to taste and see the goodness of God and, and then be blessed, like be blessed. So like, so blessed. So that's what it means to me. I have tasted and seen his goodness thousands of times. I've taken refuge in him many times. And Every time I see his goodness and what I love about 
the Lord and as you get to know him because he's joyful, he's, he has, has a sense of humor, he's funny, he's caring, he delights in the details of our lives. He's not just distant up here. Look at the macro story of history, but Asa specifically, John specifically, all of you listening, he knows about your life and he, it matters to him like what you're eating today, if you're sleeping well, how you're feeling, like they, they all, he's a God of details. That's why there's thousands of animals and, you know, tens of thousands of animals. There's not just one dog and one cat, but many kinds of eats. That's God. That's just represents his delighting that. All right. Anyway, but you see the goodness of God through all of that. And, and I've seen that. And I love, so that's, that's what I love about him. That's a really good verse. That's really good. Spot. It's really good around blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. So I'm not going to probably be able to either preach on that or meditate. I could probably meditate on it for four days. I'm not sure I could preach on it for four days, but thanks for yeah, up. Right. Dr. Asa James Swan. Thanks for coming on. Uh, it was a great time talking about everything that we did. So uh, good you. luck with great leaders. Um, you're making an impact. Stay the course and appreciate all you're doing there in Kentucky. John, thank you for having me. Blessings on you, brother. I can't wait to see you in person sometime when it's safe. All right, buddy. We'll see you. Oh, man. Oh, I love, you know, this leadership thing. I've like grown up in this. I thought it was kind of interesting. Uh, Dr. Swan said he'd been a, a student of leadership since he was 14, but, um, you know, great leaders. I, I, you know, I kind of say that a little tongue in cheek, but it's, when he talks about the details of that, it is, I think, so valuable. He talks about gritty, leading yourself, relational, leading others, equipped to lead the room, uh, authentic, giving world-class service, and then transformational, having a, a healthy and dynamic culture that creates transformation. I think that's so, so good. We talked about his experience of uh, being a chief leadership officer, the chief of staff in the state of Kentucky, and what an experience that is. And uh, uh, recently. Um, has his second baby due and and has a two and a half year old and married to the state treasurer. Got to hear a little bit about that. But really what I thought was interesting, we asked him three things. I asked him kind of a lightning round. Uh, if he had 60 seconds to share the most important things of leadership, he said um, that, you know, people are going to follow cues of the leader, unintended cues, number one. Number two, if you want to be a good leader, learn how to follow. And number three, become the leader that you want to follow. You know, people that you like to follow, identify what it is about them that you like to follow. And so for those of you out there in leadership roles, those are some huge keys for you, some huge keys. And then when I asked him what he would do uh, or tell his younger self, um, he said, take the risk, be bold, travel into the unknown. I think that's so wise. As you look back, I'm not as upset about the things that I did. Maybe I'm more upset about maybe the things that I didn't do. And so maybe that's a word for somebody out there today of being able to take that risk and be bold for where God is calling you and leading you. Um, and then we close with Psalm 34, 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that takes refuge in him. Super powerful. And we heard a little bit about Dr. Swan and his experience in a CBMCYP group and the value that it's brought to his life. And so if you're looking to get connected, I want you to go to ycbguy.com, wise and young, seasoned Christian, B is in business guide.com, ycbguy.com. And you can get connected. Fill out your info. We got four options there. You can get connected to a mentor. If you're looking for an older person to pour into you, we can get you connected virtually or in person. If you are looking to join a weekly group, we can get you connected. We can also have you connected to a young professional group. 
We are launching virtual young professional groups. We have presence in over 15 to 20 cities with those groups now and adding more almost every week. And finally, if you want to know more about what it means to be a Christian, if you just want to process through that, uh, check that box and we'll connect and visit a little bit more about that. We believe faith is not the absence of doubt, but the processing of doubt and having those deeper conversations. So thanks for tuning in to the Young Christian Business Guy video podcast powered by CBMC. Uh, January 21st, 2021. I am John Harrison, your host. Remember, stay on purpose.